We've all heard of women's intuition, right? Well, men have intuition as well. Intuition is so important when it comes to feeding ourselves and our families in our challenging food environment. This podcast explores a variety of topics related to a powerful, evidence-based eating framework called intuitive eating that integrates instinct, emotion, and rational thought. My hope is that it will help you finally break free of the perpetual diet cycle. This is the Men's Intuition Podcast. All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Men's Intuition Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jeff Ash, nutritionist, personal trainer, and intuitive eating coach, and I am excited to be here to share another episode with you. So over the past six weeks or so, my wife has been hospitalized on five different occasions for anywhere from three to about seven days each time. And so as you can probably imagine, um, I've had to prioritize a few things, uh, shift some things around, and and it's definitely been uh, somewhat of an interruption in in the way that our, our normal day-to-day life goes. So uh, posting on Instagram has been a bit inconsistent, to say the least, and recording a new podcast episode each week hasn't really been uh, at the top of my priority list, and therefore it really hasn't happened as I would like. Although, as a side note, I did record one a couple episodes back where I talked about hospitals, vending machines, and stress. So you may want to check that one out if, if you haven't already. Um, I actually recorded it late in the evening after returning home from hanging out with my wife in the hospital. And so uh, it was just kind of a reflection on some thoughts, uh, spending time eating out of vending machines that day. <laughs> so check that out if that's something that you can relate to. But anyway, so so those are things that have had to take a backseat for a short time uh, to make sure that you know my wife's needs are met and my clients are taken care of not to mention my own mental and physical well-being, of course, too. Uh, one of those things I find in, in working with clients on various principles of intuitive eating is how they often carry over into so many other areas of life, not just food. Uh, it's quite common for these things to come up during our sessions as we kind of talk about and talk through all kinds of different things. It's really cool when I see those things pop up in our sessions where they have applied what we've been learning in their relationship with food to some other particular area of life and that it has brought them uh, more joy and more improvement and less stress in those areas as well. You know, it's all about a mindset shift. And that shift can start out in our relationship with food, but that same mindset shift can be super helpful in so many different areas of life, you know, and in, in, like in work and relationships and family and all kinds of areas like that. So anyway, I've had this I kind of had to focus my attention on the big things first lately. As you can imagine, that's super important to do that. Uh, The things that matter the most. It's not that the other things don't matter. Uh, It's not, not only are they important for my business, but I also enjoy them. I enjoy doing the podcast. Uh, I enjoy coming up with content for Instagram and interacting with people online and all of those kinds of things. But, you know, worrying about those, those less important things to the detriment of the most important things would be a big problem. And so this is something that's so common in the nutrition and fitness world that I see a lot too. Uh, In many circles, there's so much of an emphasis placed on specific foods, types of foods, ingredients, how the food's grown, the level of processing it went through, all those kinds of things. Uh, Maybe you've seen that yourself too. Uh, it's it's not that these things don't have an impact at all. Of course, I, I mean, I would I would argue that they do. There's certainly research showing certain benefits to different things and, and that kind of thing. But it really pales in comparison to some of these big picture items like how we eat, our relationship with food, 
and ensuring that we're consistently feeding ourselves adequately. So I, I thought I'd try to simplify the intuitive eating principles into four big picture points. I mean, the 10 principles are pretty straightforward as it is, but I got thinking on that and reflecting on it and actually did a post on Instagram the other day about this and thought it would translate nicely into a nice podcast episode. So these four big picture points that that I came up, uh, each point is really more of a mindset shift as opposed to something specific to do. So what we do and how we respond to that mindset shift will look kind of different for each of us. So that's important that we recognize that and understand that. So these four points, these four kind of simplified points that I came up with were first, when it comes to our mindset regarding our overall health, we start by rejecting the idea that our weight, our size, our shape in and of itself dictates our health. It doesn't mean that it's not relevant, that it has no impact. It just means that we don't immediately say, well, if my weight is above a BMI of 24.9, then I am, quote, overweight and unhealthy, right? I, I've seen that happen before. I've seen in, in some fitness groups uh, recently, I, I know someone was asking a question about how to lose two or three pounds. And it was a weird question because they just were, you know, they they were just wanting to lose two or three pounds. And so we dug a little deeper. I asked this question of the person, why is it that that you want to do this? And and they said, well, my BMI is a 25 or a 26 or something, and I want to get it out of the, quote, overweight BMI category. And then from there, you know, the realization was very, it was very quick to realize that, hey, what's going on here is this person is equating a number, a BMI number with their individual health status, which is something we really should never do. So Again, it's really common for that to occur, but I, I would highly encourage you not to do that. And, and this mindset shift really sets the groundwork and the, and the foundation for improving your relationship with food. And the second one is when it comes to nutrition, we start with providing enough total energy for our body to function properly, which really just means eating enough. And so that is a, a super important principle. And of course, when we look at the principles of intuitive eating, that kind of encapsulates honoring your hunger, feeling your fullness. So essentially providing enough food for your body so it can function properly. And the third one is when it comes to our relationship with food, we start by giving ourselves unconditional permission to eat, which really involves tossing out those good and bad food labels. So this unconditional permission to eat is, is really a good, uh, it's a wonderful tool to help us to start to think of food as in so many different ways, other than just healthy and unhealthy, because so many different foods provide us so many different benefits in different ways. Some provide us uh, nutrition and vitamins and minerals and fiber and protein and those kinds of things that are are important for our bodies to function well. But other foods just provide us pure joy, and they are a part of our culture and social interactions. And that aspect of our health is just as important and maybe even in some cases more important than focusing on individual physical aspects of our health, because it often translates over into the physical aspects of our health as well. All right. And the fourth one is when it comes to physical activity, we start with this understanding that our bodies benefit from any and all forms of movement, not just strenuous structured and or you know intense exercise. So that's another thing that I think the the fitness world has maybe not intentionally 
in in, in some cases, I think it's it's intentionally and explicit, but in the other cases, it's not so much. But there's so much of a focus put on the value of structured exercise and and even um, dismissing people who maybe their exercise isn't as structured and doesn't follow uh, standards of programming and proper weight training and that kind of thing. Maybe it's a, a, a bit more mismatch of different kinds of activities and stuff. And that's often looked down on as not, you know, not being ideal or optimal. When in reality, when it comes to our overall physical health and well-being, just moving our bodies more and consistently is going to get us the the uh, the most benefit, the most bang for the buck. Nothing wrong, again, with that structured training or exercise. I do it myself. I, I enjoy that. Uh, I program that for my clients, too, who who want to have that. Some do, some don't. And, and so I do think that there is value in that. But again, if you're talking about your general health and well-being, just moving your body more is going to give you so many tremendous benefits. So hopefully those 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 points kind of simplify it down a little bit for you. Now, we can still fine-tune different areas of our lives to meet our individual physical and psychological and emotional and social needs, and that there's nothing wrong with doing that. You know, uh, each of us is going to do that to a different degree, I think, depending on our mindset, uh, where we are emotionally, maybe what what experiences we've gone through in our life. Obviously, people who have been through a uh, an eating disorder as one example they may approach these kinds of things much differently than someone who really hasn't had that issue and maybe who hasn't even dieted a lot and so it may be that their relationship with food is not all that strained and so they can focus more on some of these finer nuances and that's perfectly fine you know each of us is, is different and there's no right or wrong way to do that uh, but some examples of kind of fine tuning would be things like gentle nutrition. That's one of the intuitive eating principles, athletic goals, things like that, maybe managing chronic illness or pain. So those might be things after you get those big picture items in place, you think, OK, I'm going to start looking a little further into this. I'd like to see if maybe if I change a few things here or there, that it might improve some of the symptoms that I'm experiencing with this chronic illness. Nothing wrong with that, too. But if you again, if you don't have those big picture items in place first, all the fine tuning and tweaking in the world is not going to um, address your overall health and well-being. So uh, it really helps us to address these underlying causes and issues rather than simply attacking symptoms. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about here a little bit next. It, it may even help us to avoid trying to fix a problem. That's not even truly a problem. This is something that that I've seen come up a number of times. A good example of this one is salt intake. Uh, a lot of people have it in their mind that they need to watch or reduce their salt intake. Well, shoot, even that example I gave earlier of the person who feels like they need to lose two or three pounds to get out of the 26 BMI or 25 BMI down below 25. So they're, quote, um, normal weight now, which is that we could go into the whole BMI thing on a on another episode, and we may do that at some point. So we won't go. I, I won't get too far off on a tangent here. But in any case, uh, as I said, a lot of people have it in their mind that they need to reduce or watch their salt intake, and and often it's based on what some tracking app told them, or even just a general feeling and no empirical data that that they probably eat too much. You know, kind of put that in quotes. Too much salt. Um, I have to admit, I've done this myself in the past, where I looked at. When back, back when I was tracking, I remember looking at the numbers on the 
on the app and it said, oh, you should have this target for cholesterol and this target for salt intake. And then if I went over it, I, I kind of thought, oh, I need to try and get that lower. And even though I knew, <laughs> I actually knew that that wasn't a big deal, but yet seeing that number there telling me that I had exceeded what I was supposed to, it just, it, it really messes with your mind. So once these big picture uh, mindset level shifts take place, it makes it so much easier to implement other smaller changes over time. All right, so here's a real world practical example of how I might address a particular issue with someone. So let's assume that you're a client and we've done some work talking through and, and establishing these mindset shifts and you're starting to feel a bit comfortable with those. You're, you're making more, much more sense of those. You're starting to think less good and bad around foods and, and more neutral with it. And, but maybe now you feel like you're really ready to, to address a particular issue that you've been struggling with. You've been thinking about, um, the issue where you feel like you're eating an awful lot of fast food and you'd like to work on this. Okay. Yeah. You know, fast food is probably not optimal for physical health of our bodies. I, I get that. And so I can understand why you might want to work on that, even though you've been working on not thinking of foods as good or bad and trying to neutralize things like fast food and desserts and other things like that. Um, but your first inclination as a carryover from probably a history of dieting uh, might be to start by cutting that out completely or to allow yourself to only have it once a week or something like that. Or maybe because you're trying to make peace with food, you're thinking, oh, um, I need to cut it out. Maybe so maybe not as extreme as when you were dieting, but you still are thinking in terms of restricting and and how to reduce it from that perspective. Um, often as part of this kind of change, though, you know, when you go at it from this restrictive mindset, you also try to cut out all kinds of other things at the same time. It's, it's kind of this trickle down effect. I can't tell you how common this is. You know, for most people, this doesn't work well, long term anyway. And they, they often, you know, they cut out the one, they start to think, oh, I got to cut out fast food, but in the process, oh, I need to cut this out too. I need to cut that out. And now it just returns you back to that, that restriction mindset. Now, one thing is, is that you're setting yourself up for guilt and shame around food if you take this approach. And so even if you take a gentler restrictive approach, you still set yourself up for guilt and shame whenever you introduce this restriction in there. So guilt and shame around food or you know, moralizing food choices is often one of the underlying causes for people feeling out of control around certain types of foods. It's, it's a big part of something called the binge restrict cycle in those who struggle with binge eating, which is why uh, I, I, I'm bringing this up at this point. Now, this binge restrict cycle is where you binge and then you feel guilt and shame as a result of losing control around around the food and the amount of food that you ate. You kind of respond by restricting again. And, and in that restricting, you feel this brief relief from anxiety that came from that binge episode. And then the cravings start back up. Emotional and physical are often a part of that. And, and then there's some kind of trigger. And it could be something someone says. It could be a food is put in front of you, a stressor at work, a death in the family, whatever it is. And then another binge happens. And then the cycle repeats. It's that guilt and that shame that triggers that restriction that kicks off the whole cycle. So, um, but if after that binge, you instead explore what was truly going on under the surface, and the circumstances that were surrounding it, you can actually respond in a more constructive way rather than with guilt and shame and starting that cycle all over again. So let's go back to our fast food example. 
If your mindset aligns with those four points I made earlier, you can more effectively explore this from a place of curiosity, this kind of morally neutral curiosity rather than judgment. So you might ask yourself, why do I feel like I'm eating too much fast food? What makes me say that? The what makes me say that question is really important because I, when you start to reflect on that, what well, why do I think this? What is it that makes me say that I'm eating too much fast food? Are those voices coming from the media, mom and dad, maybe grandma, an aunt, an uncle, something like that? Is this a, a thought that I've come up with on my own or have others been explicitly saying this to me? You know, things like you eat too much fast food or stop eating so much fast food or I can't believe how much fast food you're eating. So identifying the sources of those voices and then the, and, and that can be a really important part of the process, because one of the one of the things that that does for us is it often helps us to address things that may not even be a, an issue with the food itself. So you may have a bit of a strained relationship with a parent or family member who has put a lot of pressure on you over the years and made comments about your body and your food choices. and. The, the real issue is addressing the comments and the statements from the people putting that pressure on you. That could really help you make some progress in your relationship with food by going and addressing that with them. So it may be that the food itself isn't the issue. It's that the pressure, the comments, the negativity that has been uh, pushed on you over the years has contributed to you feeling out of control around this particular food or, or struggling with it. And so rather than cutting out fast food from your diet, you say, oh, you know what? I need to go talk to mom or dad or or that friend about this issue and and let them know how I feel about it when they make these comments about my body or my food choices. And it may be that that in and of itself can really help with the process, because now if that person does respond positively, hopefully they will. Maybe they won't, but you can address that in another way. But if they do, well, then now that takes a lot of pressure off of you in uh, addressing this issue. And that's just one less thing to have to worry about. Another question you can ask yourself is, why am I choosing fast food at certain times? Is it for convenience? Is it because you're just in the mood for the flavor, urgency, uh, mindless habit? You know, it's easy to find ourselves on cruise control where where we're taking, we're not taking any time to just stop, reflect, and ask ourselves why we're doing what we're doing. It may be that we're eating out at some fast food place every day at lunch just because we've always done that and we never have even stopped to think, does this even sound good to me? You find yourself eating McDonald's and and if you were to pause and stop and think, is this what's really going to be satisfying to me? And you realize, no, it isn't. This, Why am I eating this? This isn't even what I'm in the mood for right now. But yet again, because of those habits, sometimes we just are on cruise control and we're not even taking the two seconds, three seconds to pause and say, what am I in the mood for today? What sounds good? Does a burger and fries even sound good? Does a salad sound good? Does it sound better to you know, have this or that? That kind of thing. Uh, also, a good question to ask yourself here is, if I were to eat less of, of the fast food, what would I replace it with? That's a really important question to ask. A lot of people don't, don't ask that question. They just immediately think about, well, I got to cut this out. Well, you've got to replace it with something, especially when it's food, because your body still needs energy to function. And maybe the fast foods provided more energy than it than your body needs. But, you know, I probably should just I, I probably shouldn't just remove it entirely. Um, 
So it may be providing more than I need, but I still need something. So it's important that we think of it in those terms too. What am I going to replace it with? If I do have another option in mind, this is another question that you might ask yourself. Is it actually reasonable to consistently replace it with this other option? So sometimes we think, oh, okay, I'm going to no longer, I'm not going to eat any more fast food. I'm going to bring my lunch every day. Now, is that reasonable? Is that something that maybe at some point it would be, but is it right now? And if not, then you may want to say, okay, what can I do to make a step in this direction that, that I would like to make? So don't put that pressure, that all or nothing mentality kind of pressure on yourself. As we go through this process involving curiosity rather than this shame and guilt and judgment, we may find solutions that actually address the underlying issue rather than attacking the symptoms. And hopefully you saw how that could happen with those questions, those example questions I gave you there. We may find out that higher amounts of fast food consumption actually uh, appear to be the result of not feeding ourselves consistently throughout the day. So as we explore that, we find that out and we, you know, maybe we're skipping breakfast or another meal and that the fast food's really not the problem, but, but rather a symptom of the fact that, that we aren't feeding ourselves consistently. So we don't resolve this issue by making fast food off limits. We resolve this issue by feeding ourselves more consistently. And we may notice that we tend to go for fast food when we don't have the emotional or mental energy to cook something at home. Uh, and, and that lately that's been happening a lot. Uh, this is this is a, a common issue. In fact, I was just talking with a client recently about this exact issue. And if, if we can address why we've been so drained, that could be one possible way to address it as well. Uh, however, it may not be uh, something we can deal with right now. It may be largely outside our control. You know, obviously, if you have a really high stress job, the best thing to do would be to get a, a new job that's not high stress. <laughs> but is that realistic? I remember I had a nutrition uh, instructor say, hey, you know, if you're a shift worker, um, shift working is really hard on the body. It's really difficult from a nutrition standpoint, and that kind of thing. He said, you know, the best thing you can do if you're a shift worker is quit your job and quit being a shift worker. But again, can we all do that? No, that's not very realistic. So what can we do uh, to, to meet this need? Is there another way that we can meet this need? So what about something like ready meals? Uh, you know, a lot of grocery stores offer a huge selection of fresh meals that are ready to pop in the microwave or toaster oven. A lot of these meals are around the same price as a fast food meal or, or even less, sometimes significantly less. Uh, even frozen dinners are a, a great option. Again, some people think of these as kind of less than, but tell me what's wrong with a chicken and vegetable pasta that happens to be frozen rather than cooking something similar yourself from scratch. I mean, yeah, you don't have control over every ingredient, but for the most part, that's a pretty nutritious meal. The, my main concern with those, with those frozen meals, just as an aside, is that they often aren't enough. You know, 350 calories is really not enough for a meal for most people. So just keep that in mind. You may need to supplement them with uh, a little extra something as well. So as you can see, we don't try to come up with ways to cut fast food out. When we're using intuitive eating, that's not the approach we take. We, we don't just try to set arbitrary limits on your fast food intake. We don't track calories and say as long as it fits in your calorie target. None of that. We get curious. We ask those questions. We reflect. We explore. And we come up with different ideas for addressing those true underlying whys and issues 
that uh, we discover along the way. So it's just a very different approach to to addressing that. And at the end of all of that, you may find that you are eating less fast food. Uh, or you may find that you're not eating less fast food, but you're feeling better about it because maybe you realize, oh, you know what? I'm not eating as much as I had convinced myself I was. Uh, or you may be saying, you know, that really wasn't the problem. The problem was this other area. And now that I've addressed this other area, um, I, I don't feel as out of control or feel as lost with this. I, I feel like I have a much better handle on, on my eating in general and, and how I feel and my body's feeling better. So again, it's, it's, it's all a matter of perspective and mindset. So I hope you found this discussion helpful. As always, if you have any questions at all, comments, or could use some help addressing your own relationship with food, or could use help addressing this with your family, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, I do offer a completely free 60-minute initial consultation where we can explore some of the areas where you feel like you struggle, and, and I can point you in the right direction to begin to address these. Or, uh, you know, if you feel like you're able to and can, we can uh, continue to discuss how we might partner together in a coaching relationship to address these, these uh, needs at a deeper level. All right. And as always, thanks again for listening. And we'll be back with another episode soon. 